as Brother Marvin comes, as we approach your throne this morning, Lord, to hear from you. Father God, I pray that you would speak, that you would use Brother Marvin, Lord, as a vessel to speak through. And Father God, that you would fulfill our heart's desire, Lord, to see our church, our city, our nation, Lord, turn back to Jesus. And I pray that you would use us this morning, Lord. Father, I know that there's at least one here, Lord, that has never accepted you as their personal Savior. And judging from last week, Lord, there was a lot that came that didn't know you, Lord. I pray that you would continue to work on their hearts and that you would bring them back to you, Lord, and that you would allow them, Lord, just to surrender all and give their heart to Jesus. Father, we desire to see souls saved, Lord, and lives changed. I thank you for this church, Lord, for these people who have a desire to see your kingdom, Lord. I pray that you would use us, Lord, like you use the disciples to reach the lost in the dying world. As we prepare for revival, Lord, not a service called revival, but for revival, I pray that you would start preparing even now, Lord, Brother Kyle's heart, that you would start ministering unto him, Lord, giving him the words to speak, Father, so that we can see lives changed here, Lord, so that we can see our church revived. Lord, I pray that you start with my heart, Lord, that you would revive me, that you would show me, Lord, how to be the man that you've called me to be. As Brother Tony Evans preached, Lord, the men of this this nation right now need to stand up and become the men that you called them to be, not to be ashamed, but to proclaim Jesus and lead our families back to Christ. Use us this morning, Lord. Use this time. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fill this place, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jonathan. And I tell you, every time I think, man, I don't know what they're going to sing next, it's going to be even more inspiring spiritually. They sing something like this than when they just sang. I mean, that ought to be the cry of every heart that belongs to God. Whatever it takes, Lord, take it from me. Make more room so that I can have more of you. I tell you what, boy, that is a beautiful song. Thank y'all. I don't know about y'all, but this bunch blesses me every time I get to be around them. And Man, it's just awesome to see how God has grown and blessed them, not only in their ability to play some music for us, but in their true heart to seek the presence of God because if they're not seeking the presence of God they're not going to lead us to the presence of God and I don't know about y'all they help me to experience I don't come to church to be entertained how about you I want to come to church to encounter God because if you just come to get entertained that's all you're going to get but when you let your heart listen to those songs and it's it's an awesome thing to hear how much God loves us and I want to thank y'all and I don't know about y'all but old Trevor D. Coleman I thank you for sticking here with us. Trevor's been playing with us. He's going to be playing drums for a while. Have you figured out yet to every good praise band, the heartbeat of that band is that drummer. If you ain't got a good heartbeat, the rest of the body's in trouble. Amen. And Heather, brother, you got the beat going on. Amen. So God bless you. Thank you for that. And I don't know if you've seen back here yet. We put it back here. We kind of gradually tried to sneak it in on you. We got it back there in the dark. But, boy, we got a full set of drums set up. And if you think he can tear that little thing up, you ought to hear him get on them. But we need to get a shield first because we don't want to shock. We don't want to have a funeral the first Sunday we use them. But we also need some mics. And so 
we got about a, a, a $1,200, $1,300 cost to get that going. If there's anybody here that would want to donate to that, I'm sure Trevor would be thankful for that to help us get that going. And you know what? That's just more what we need. The real thing is always better. And the real drums is better than electric. So we want to get that going, and I want to thank you for that. If you got your Bible this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to the gospel, I mean, to the book of 1 John, the little letter. That's right behind 2 Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. And John writes something here that I think is going to be beneficial to us if we really want revival. And they talk to us about their experience with having seen, held, and touched the word of life, Jesus Christ. And if you look right here, he's writing to us, and I want us to just kind of read the first few verses together, and then we're going to dig into this this morning. It is my belief that many of us who have been exposed to the light are allowing ourselves to not be completely where the light would want us to be. We're allowing too much darkness into our life. And I don't know if you realized it yet, but you can't have fellowship with God and dark. The light and the dark are opposed to one another. One cannot be in the same place as the other. And I want us to read something here this morning in the preparation of looking at something that I think God will show us. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And we know that is Jesus. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. And it was manifested to them and to his Son. We know when you read John's Gospel, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. It is impossible to have the life of Christ in you and live on a regular basis in what God says is dark. If the light is in you, it's going to lead you into the things that God says are light. And the whole reason Christ came, the whole reason he came was to bring to us eternal life. Look at what he says right there. He says, the life was manifested, and we have seen, and we've heard witness. This is in verse 2. And we declare to you that eternal life. So this life that was manifested in Jesus, that they saw, they heard, they touched, they were, they were in his presence. He says that we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us in Jesus. Why was it manifested? Look at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come. Salvation, eternal life, is not just getting forgiveness so you don't go to hell and you get to go to heaven. The reason people were in hell this morning is they never had a relationship, they never knew God, and they never had fellowship with God. So they are where people who are separated, who don't want God, are at. The reason people are in heaven this morning is because they realized they didn't have a relationship with God. There was no fellowship, that they were separated, and they, they met God. They experienced God. And when they come to know God, they got saved, 
and they live now in fellowship with God. That's what he says. We are telling you this. We're witnessing you this so that where we had fellowship, you can have fellowship. As a matter of fact, what Jesus said salvation is, eternal life is to know God. Listen what Jesus said. Jesus in John chapter 17, praying, spoke these words and lifted his eyes to heaven. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. He's talking about the cross. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that's us, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John's writing here now. He's reminding us that they met Jesus, they were with Jesus, and this is what he's saying. He's saying that which we have seen and heard in verse 3, we declare to you that you also may fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to look at this. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. If there's ever something that ought to identify a person who knows Jesus, who knows the Father, who is in fellowship with him, is that you ought to have joy. Joy is not something that is dependent on if you're having a good day or not. Joy is something that's dependent on if you know the Lord or not. And friends, you can be having a bad day and still have the joy of the Lord. And friends, the joy of the Lord comes from being in fellowship with him. And when you're in right fellowship with God and you're connected with God and you're walking with God, even though life sometimes is difficult, even though some, the journey will lead you through a valley, I don't know if you figured it out this yet, you can have a joy, a peace in your heart beyond understanding even in the valley when you're with God in that valley. And you can be on the mountain without God. Have you figured that out yet? And life can be everything you want it to be and have no joy. Because joy is not dependent on here. Joy is dependent on him. And listen, why can you be a Christian? How can you be a Christian and lose the joy of the Lord? Because you lose the way. And how do you lose the way? You forget who's in charge of leading you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If you follow him, he's the light. He says this, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. That's John chapter 12, verse 46. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will not end up in darkness. You'll have the light of life. The life of God is light. And if the light of God is in you, it's impossible to continually and habitually live in darkness. But there's so many Christians who love the darkness, who allow the darkness to be a major part of their life, and then they wonder why they don't have joy. And friends, there's a lot of people who are in darkness who's never seen the light. And friends, I want you to think about this. John tells us right here in the next verse, he says, these things we write to you that your joy may be full, that it can be a full joy, not a half joy, not a every once in a while joy, not a joy when everything's going my way, not a joy when Jesus is doing what I want him to do. No, a full joy. A full joy that comes from being in fellowship. And then he tells us, this is the measure, I mean the message, verse 5, which we've heard from him. And now we declare to you that God is light 
And in God, there is no darkness at all, not even a little bit. Friends, when the light comes on, darkness has to flee. And when darkness is allowed to come into a place and overpower it, the light is gone. You can't have both in the same place. And listen what he tells us. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, God and Jesus, and we walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. Today, Christianity in America is so confused, some of us don't know the difference from what God says is light and what God says is dark. You know why? Because you're in the dark. Satan has deceived you. Friends, listen, in Scripture, light and darkness are very familiar symbols that represent the things of God and the things of Satan. Light represents God and his righteousness. It's a, a picture of holiness. And darkness represents Satan and his wickedness, and it's a picture of evilness throughout the Bible. Now, that's when you look at the things of God compared to the things of Satan. But listen, intellectually, light stands for what we believe, and so does darkness. See, light equals biblical truth, and it stands for what God says is right. Darkness is for error and falsehood and deception and for what is wrong. If intellectually you believe what God says is wrong, what God says is false, then you are believing in love, you're living in darkness. And when God shows us the light, biblical truth and what is right and we meet God God is light he says right there that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all and I want you to think of this if we say that we have fellowship with him when we walk in darkness we lie and we do not practice the truth but guys listen fellow full joy the joy of his salvation the joy of the Lord the peace beyond understanding the fruit of the spirit All of that is dependent on being rightly in communion with God, having fellowship. You can be saved, but if you're full of darkness, if you've allowed darkness to come into your life, and you're always involved with the things of darkness. Friends, listen, not only does darkness and light represent intellectually what we believe, but it represents morally what we do. And light equals righteous behavior and purity and integrity and character that looks and resembles godliness. And when your life doesn't reflect godliness, it's because godliness is not there. See, darkness is is a picture of morally sinful behavior and wrongdoing and wickedness. And this is the message that we heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And listen to what he says, verse 7. This ought to blow your mind. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, when we're walking in light, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life is a, a, a relationship with God where his life is in you, and you feel it, and you experience it. It's not a myth. It's not a religious Something you just talk about. It's a reality that happens in your soul that your spirit experiences his spirit. And Jesus is real. I mean, you get up in the morning and you get in the word. And the next thing you know, the word's getting in you. 
you get to praying and you get to talking. The next thing you realize is the, the, the door has been opened and the Lord's listening to me. And you feel his presence in your spirit. It ain't religion. It ain't just a duty. It ain't a devotion that you make yourself have to do. It's a relationship that you desire to be part of. And you know God's in your life. We act like this is so abnormal. This is normal. To not have that is abnormal. And friends, I want you to think about this. Jesus didn't die for you to make a profession of faith, get dipped in water and become religious and live your whole life expecting and waiting to go to heaven to see him. The day you said Jesus saved me, he came to show you who he is. And how does he show him to you? Through the eyes of faith. And you can't see the eyes of faith until God gives them to you. That's what we sing about. Amazing grace, how great the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but praise Jesus, now I see. My eyes have been opened. I was in the dark. That's why I was lost. But I seen the light, and I come to the light, and I ain't been lost since. Can I get an amen? Because long as I keep my eyes on Jesus, long as I follow the light, I'll never walk in darkness again. Because he's promised me if you follow me, you shall have the light of life. If you ain't got it, it ain't because Jesus ain't trying to give it to you. It's because you're looking at the wrong thing. And friends, the devil is sharp. He's smarter than you. Yeah, he is. He knows more about Jesus in the Bible than you. And he knows more about you than you. And he'll study you. And he'll examine you. He'll appoint a demon even to you. And he'll try to find a way to get you away from the light so that he can get you over here in the dark. And friends, I want to tell you something. The darkness is the problem with American church today. We don't know the difference anymore. You know why? We've allowed ourselves to look at the dark, to be in the dark for so long, we've become used to the dark. I want you to turn from this with me and I want you to get over to Luke. Luke chapter, I'll find it in a minute. Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and I want to read a passage to you that it's kind of hard to make sense, and the only way it can make sense to you is God turns on the light. <laughs> you see, as long as you're in the dark, it ain't going to make sense. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If Jesus is the light of the world... Jesus needs to be put on a lampstand. Can I get an amen? He doesn't need to be hidden in the closet. He doesn't be able to hid in your home. He needs to be put in the highest place of your life. And when you root Jesus up where he belongs, guess what? He's easy to see. But what do we do? We compartmentalize Jesus. We want Jesus in our Sunday worship, but we don't want Jesus when we go home. We want Jesus to be in our problems, but we don't want Jesus in our entertainment. I want to tell you something. The moment you remove Jesus from the lampstand and the light that you're following is the moment you begin to see darkness. And there's so many Christians today that are focused more on darkness than the light of Jesus and they wonder why they're so confused, why there's no fullness of joy, why their life is so not like the way the Bible says it's supposed to be. I'm not going to fall. Jesus has got it. I see Diane looking again. But I want you to read this with me. 
Jesus speaking here in verse 34 of chapter 11 says, the lamp of the body. And the verse right above that, he says, no one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place. The last place you ought to be putting Jesus is in a secret place, amen? Jesus wants to be the most public thing about you. If you hide in Jesus, you're already in the dark. That's what darkness does. So the first thing about you is everything about your life ought to be that Jesus is the most important thing about it, amen? That goes from your hobbies to your religion to your family to your relationships to your work, everything. And he says right here, he says, the, he says, no one when he has lit a lamp puts it under a secret place or under a basket. What does he do with it though? He puts it on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. May I tell you this morning, out of the light of Jesus, the most important person you know that needs to always be able to see the light is you. Because if you're not seeing the light, you're not going to show it to anybody else. And this is what Jesus is talking about. People who claim that he is the light of their life, they claim he's the most important thing, but they keep putting him in a secret place. They keep putting him where they don't, I I want you in this part of my life, Jesus, but over here, this is something else. And that's darkness. Because Jesus, when he comes, he wants to expose everything in your life for the light can show you who you are. And this is what he's talking about exactly when you look at what he says. Look at verse 34. The lamp of the body is the eye. Whatever the eye is focusing on, whatever the eye is desiring, whatever the eye is always looking to is going to eventually lead the body to it. Can I get an amen? And if your eye is looking to Jesus and your eye is focused on him and his light and the things that he says is true and you're exemplifying the behavior that he says is morally right, the light, guess what? You're going to be in the light. But if your eye starts focusing on things that he says is wrong, things that the Bible says is dark, that things are morally this you shouldn't be behaving in, and you do that, guess what? No matter how much you claim Jesus, you're going to be dark. It's exactly what he's fixing to tell us. And he tells us right here, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, you're looking at what you're supposed to, you're focused on Jesus, your whole body is also going to be full of light. Do you see that? But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. And then listen to what he says. Therefore, take heed. He's saying, beware, be careful that the light which is in you is not darkness. May I tell you this morning to come here today and proclaim the light of Jesus, put him on the lampstand, Say he's the most important thing in your life, but all last week he was nowhere in your life. Is to do exactly what he's telling you to beware of. Exactly what he's telling you to take heed of. To come here today and puff yourself up and act like super Christian when all last week you've been serving the devil in the darkness and the lie is, my friend, something that is very dangerous. And listen to what he says right there in this verse and then we're going to dig into it for a little while. He says, if then your whole body is full of light, Having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light. That's when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Friends, I want you to think about this. To listen to Jesus and to respond to him in obedience is to receive light. When you listen to Jesus and truth, which is his life, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the light of the world. When Jesus speaks truth, and you respond to it by receiving it and following it. That's how you receive light. 
To not listen to Jesus and reject his truth is to live in darkness, according to this book. We don't like to think this, but every time you choose darkness over the light, your eye is messing up the rest of your body. And you can say, oh, I love the light all you want, but if you live more in the darkness than the light, you really don't love the light. You know what I found about the darkness, Brother Jonathan? If you stay in the darkness long enough, you get used to it. Have you learned that if you come in a dark place and you come out of the light at first, you're like, you're looking around, you can't find nothing, you can't. I come in here this morning, I got here first, there wasn't nobody here. And I started turning them big lights on. I said, man, it's so dark. But I said, now nah, I'm going to come pray. And I come and I kneel right here and I prayed, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. And when I got up, I could see real good. Because I'd been in the dark for about 15 minutes. And man, I got to looking around and man, it looked so good. And then I went in the bathroom and turned the light on and I was like, you know what happens when you've been in the dark too long? The light don't bless you, the light hurts you. Diane sometimes will say, you need to get up, turn the light on. I'll be, oh. But you know what I find? If you keep your eye focused on the light and you keep watching the light, before long, the rest of your body gets used to the light. It don't shock you. It kind of, oh, I'm glad the light's on. I can see now. Oh, where's my shoes? There they are. You know, in life, a lot of us are so used to the dark, you don't even see all the spiritual trouble in your life. And worse than that, you don't see all the spiritual blessings that you can't see because you ain't had the light turned on in so long. You become used to the dark. And you know what? In the dark, you can get by in life, but you can never have everything that life has to offer because the darkness hides the blessings and the darkness also disguises the problems. And some of us in the church today have become so used to the dark that there ain't no fullness of joy anymore. There's no peace beyond understanding. There's no true fellowship with a living God. You can't remember the last time God spoke to you personally and intervened in your life and changed your agenda because you've been in the dark so long, you ain't looking for the light. I want you to think about this. This comes from Tony Evans, man, so I know it's good. He said, Jesus keeps us from operating in the darkness and protects us from its deception. And friends, when you come to church and all you have is a Sunday religion, and you go back out in that dark world that is totally owned by the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, that is operating completely by the principles of darkness, and you ain't got your eye on Jesus, you're going to get lost so fast. You're going to get mixed up so quickly. You're going to listen to what they say is true. And it's so messed up in America today to what God said is false, we say it's true. And what God said is true, we say it's false in America. What God said is good, America hates. And what God said he hates, America loves. That's how dark it is in America. How do you think that happened? Because America got their eyes off Jesus, the light of the world, and they no longer have the life of light. The light of life, I mean. And friends, I want you to think about what he's talking here. When you respond to God's truth and you focus on it, you're enabled to live an authentic spiritual life. An authentic spiritual life has real communion with God. It has real fellowship with God. 
a real authentic life with God that's in right fellowship with him has prayers that get answered. It impacts other people's lives for Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll not have darkness. You'll not walk up. You'll have the light of life. And you'll become the light of the world. You see, we the church, those who are truly following Jesus and are connected to him, the light, have the light of light. We're the light of the world. The people see Jesus in us. That's his plan. And friends, listen, today, if you ever thought they need revival, how much darkness is in you that you're trying to copy? I mean, act like not, it's not there. When we follow Jesus, we are following the truth, my friend. And when we walk in the light, we can clearly see the path that leads us to life, and we will consistently make wise decisions that keep us in the light. When you're not following Jesus and you're just going through the religious game of I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, I've been baptized, but you ain't in a relationship with God, friends, you're going to make bad decisions all the time that produce bad things in your life. And friends, we all do it, but we shouldn't do it as a practice, a way of life. When we walk in darkness, we do not know where we're going. And we will consistently make those decisions that lead us where we ain't supposed to be and gets us to doing the things we ain't supposed to do. And they said, that's bad English, Marvin. Well, I'm sorry. That's the best it gets. But it makes sense, don't it? You can't walk in the darkness and have the light of fellowship with God. But we want it both today. But friends, worse than that, we look at all our loved ones who we got dumped 20 years ago. As soon as they got old enough to leave the light and go to the darkness, they've been in the darkness ever since. You know why? That's where they want to be. You see, if they was of us, they'd still be with us. But because they left us, John says over in chapter 4 of this little book, they never were of us. You see, the problem is naturally man loves the darkness more than he loves the light. And if you get comfortable in the darkness and you're all kicked back, and you done got used to it, the last thing you want is your wife to turn the light on. It's a disturbing thing to be comfortable in the dark and all of a sudden the light show up. But if you ever get in the light and you see everything you've been missing, everything you were spiritually blind to, all the things that was there, first thing, it's going to scare the you-know-what out of you because you're going to say, look what all the devil been after me with. You've been blind. You've been in the dark. But the next thing you're going to say, look what all Jesus had to offer me that I was too blind to see because I was in the darkness. And friends, I want you to think about it. Jesus said this about us. He said we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special peculiar people that we may proclaim the praises of him who done something to us. What did he do? He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you remember when that was happening? I don't know about you, it's a shocking thing to get called out of the darkness. You've been in it 33 years and all of a sudden come into the marvelous light of Jesus. It's an impossible event to have happened to you and you not radically be changed. Can a blind man who's never seen his entire life who all of a sudden is given light to see, act the same ever again? No. Friends, listen to this. 
God told the Apostle Paul, who was religious as you'll ever get, he said himself from his own testimony, according to the law, I was found blameless. He was walking in the name of his God with authority from his religion, Judaism, down a road called Damascus to arrest, imprison, and even kill Jesus' people, the Christians. And y'all know what happened? Jesus showed up. What did he look like? He looked like a light that he said was brighter than the 12 noon sun. And what did it do? It knocked him down on his face. And what was the first thing Paul said? Who are you, Lord? (laughs) Do you remember when that happened to you? You went to church like you'd done a hundred times. You played your religion like you'd done your whole life. And one day the light came on. You said, what in the world's happened to my home church? God showed up. And all of a sudden you said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. You know what he told Paul? Who you've been persecuting. And he said, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul. He didn't even, he had a name named Saul, but he changed him to Paul. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, ain't it, Paul? You ever tried kicking against Jesus, kicking against the light? And then he said, the next thing he said was, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? See, that's what happens when you meet Jesus. When the light comes on. It's no longer about you. His light is so marvelous. The light of God, when you see who he truly is, his glory, it's more glorious than the best religion man's ever produced. The greatest buildings he's ever built in the name of a God can't compare to one encounter with Jesus Christ. And this is what he told Paul. This is in Acts chapter 26. He said, rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both to the things which you have seen and the things that I will yet reveal to you. And that's what he wants to do in every life that he saves. He wants to make you a minister and a witness of the things he's revealed to you that he showed you that he's enlightened you to be a knowing of. And then he wants you to go and witness to others. And you know why? He says, Paul, rise, stand. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, to go and open, this is in the next verse, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance to everyone who is sanctified in my name. The greatest thing he ever did was he took us out of the darkness that everybody else is in and he showed us the light. Every one of our neighbors out there who are captivated with the darkness, who love the darkness, will die in that darkness. Unless someone brings them the light. Can I get an amen? Man, when I left Madisonville, I was a child of the darkness. I lived for the darkness, and I liked playing in the darkness. When I left Madisonville, I told some of you this story. My claim to fame was I got drunk one Friday night. I left Ronnie G's bar room, got in the truck. I was driving with two of my friends. We was going down the lake road to smoke us a joint. We'd been drinking beer all night. We left about 8 o'clock. We riding down this road, had an ice chest full of beer in the back, a bag of pan of dope under my seat, and I'm looking over there, we laughing and riding, all of a sudden, I ran off the road, went over a sidewalk, 
and I ran into the ball field. It was lit up. They was having Little League baseball. Man, it went through the fence, and it hit a major big cluster of trans, big transformers that ran that whole baseball field. I clipped it down. It fell over, landed on my truck. Lightning bolts was flying. I want to tell you, son, we saw the light. Amen? And my friends is hollering, oh, no, man, there's fire shooting everywhere. I'm worried. I done tore up my truck. Get my dope. The cops are going to be coming. Let's get out of here. Man, they said, don't get out of the truck. There's wires sparking everywhere. We was at least sane enough to know not to get out. About that time, all them parents come coming over there. Who is that? That's that Cooper boy. He, he could have done killed one of these kids. That ice chest had hit my truck and exploded, and there was beer cans and ice all around my truck. He's drunk. That's that dopehead Cooper boy. Boy, the cop showed up. Yeah, they was ready to lynch me. I ain't never got in a cop car so fast. I was so glad to be arrested and put in that cop car. They put me in that cop car. Tom's Picayune came out, and I'm telling you, my mama still got it. Front page, drunk driver blacks out the town of Madisonville. It didn't just shut out the ballpark. It shut the whole riverfront down. There was three bar rooms and two restaurants, and we used to go from one to one. I got out, went the next day. I walked in there, get out of here. You cost us all kind of money last night. We had to close the restaurant because of you. We had to lose a Friday night, basically this night of the week. I went to the next bar room. Get out of here. Everybody was mad at me. Man, I get, met Diane. We go to... Tennessee, and that's what I'm known for, bar rooms, drinking and partying. I come back, I done got saved, I'm going to seminary, I'm a preacher, and God makes me the pastor of the local First Baptist Church in Madisonville. I did ask every time, what happened to you? Why ain't you Catholic no more? I said, because I got saved. Why ain't you, what are you, I know you, I remember when you used to go around knocking out the lights. And man, they would all laugh. <laughs> they, what, they thought I was this cult leader trying to have some scam. And I prayed. I said, God, I don't know what to say. Every time they'd see me, oh, Cooper, you knocked any lights out lately? And God gave me the perfect thing. And I said, yeah, when I left Madisonville, I was in the dark, knocking out the light. But when I come back, I come back bringing the light. Let me tell you about him. His name is Jesus. I used to be that way, but I ain't no more. I was blind, but now I see. Guess what? They never said that no more. And if you'll tell Satan the truth, he'll quit lying to you. If you'll come to the light, you can leave the darkness. If you've got darkness in your life that ain't supposed to be there, you can consistently try to justify it and and make it a reason that it ought to be in your life. If you're a child of the king, he's the king of light. There's no reason darkness should be in our lives. And he'll remove it from you. He'll bring you to his glorious light and he'll change everything about you. It's the light that keeps you from the darkness. But today, you know what will happen? There's people in here that's lost. You're in the darkness. You're religious, you're a good person, but you're lost and on your way to hell. Because according to this book, there is no good person religious enough. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None have done good, Paul says. No, not one. We've all, like sheep, gone astray. We've all wandered. We all can only be saved by the light that brings life. But you'll sit here in your pride and in your stubbornness, and you'll stay in the dark. You know why? Because deep down, you don't want to change that darkness that you've accepted. Where do you get that from? Right here from the Word of God. Listen to what Jesus said. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 3, 
It says, the one we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is to have a relationship with God where you have fellowship, communion with him. The verse below that, though, says, for God did not send his son, that's chapter 3, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. The light has come. The light is here. You don't have to leave lost in the dark this morning, my friend. You can come to Christ and you can be born again and you can be saved and the light of life can be given to you. And if you just follow Jesus, that light, he'll keep you out of darkness. He'll keep you in the light. But listen to what it says in that next verse, possibly some of the saddest verses you'll ever read. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. See, when you're dark, your evil don't look as bad. Don't look like it's as much. But you know what? I used to always say, I don't hurt nobody. I've always been this way. Diane's leaving me. She wants me to change. She wants me to quit drinking. I'm not hurting nobody. Man, I was hurting everybody. But I was so in the dark, I couldn't see it. When I come to the light, I seen not only was I hurting everybody, I was hurting me. I was hurting God with my evil deeds. And it hurts when the light comes and exposes and shows you how many evil deeds you really have because we all have them. There's nobody here that's so righteous you don't have it. But the world doesn't want their evil deeds exposed. That's why they hate Jesus. That's why they hate his holy book, the word of God, the Bible. And friends, I want you to understand something, my friends. He says, for everyone, verse 20, practicing evil hates the light. And he does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Light always exposes darkness. And when you're comfortable in darkness and you want to stay in darkness, the last thing you want is light. There's nothing more aggravating than a Savior when you don't want and you don't want one because you don't want to change. You don't want the darkness removed. You want to keep saying your religion. No, I'm not. But Jesus said you can put Jesus on a light post, a lamp, and put him where he's supposed to be. But if your eye is always looking at dark, your whole body's going to be dark. And he says if your whole body is dark, how great is your darkness? Today, I'm inviting you to come to the light. Everything to Jesus you know what Jesus will do? He'll give you everything God has to offer that's hidden from you because it's in the light. You can't see what all God can do for you in the darkness. Satan wants to keep you there. He wants to keep telling you you're a victim, that you're a product of your circumstances, that it's not your fault. Friends, listen, in the end, the only one who sends themselves to hell is us because we reject God. And listen to what he says here, and we're going to have a time of invitation. But he who does the truth, verse 21, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You know, the greatest deed that's ever happened to me is one day, old drunk, dope, smoking, knocking out the lights, Marvin came to the light and God showed everybody. You know what God showed him he did? Look what I did to him. Yeah, he was a drunk, but he ain't now. He was a fool, 
but look what I've been showing him lately. He was blind and in the dark, but look what the light has given him understanding knowledge of. He's standing up before my people, preaching my word. I'm giving him insights and enlightenment and wisdom from my holy word, and he's preaching it to my people. You see, one day I knocked him down so I could raise him up. I brought out the light and blinded his eyes so that I could make him really see. And I said, get up, boy. And I want to make you a minister. And I want to make you a witness. And I want you to preach to these people who are blinded in the dark. And some of you are those people this morning. I'm here for the person who's so far from God, you don't even know if he's real. If you'll trust him enough to come to it this morning, he'll save you. I want you to think of this right here. It's the mercy seat. You're in darkness right there. This is light. Today, if you're lost and you're in darkness, I'm going to ask you to do a simple thing. When we stand, step out, walk up here and sit down right here and say, I want the light. And friends, God will honor that. I'm going to ask you to come to Jesus. Leave darkness. For those of us who are in the light, you're saved, but you've got all kinds of stuff in your life that ain't supposed to be there. You keep justifying it. You keep making excuses for it. And you're never going to have the fullness of his joy. You're never going to have everything salvation bought for you. The main thing, you're never going to have real fellowship. Because John said, this is the message that's given us. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we practice and walk in the darkness, we do not have fellowship with him. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us and we have fellowship with one another and with Jesus. Friends, come to the light today. That's what revival's about. A, 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 a heart that can't remember the last time it prayed for the lost, a Christian who's lived his whole life and never witnessed, that's darkness. <laughs> that's disobedience. That's sin. Friends, darkness is here to deceive us. Light exposes that. And friends, it's not only what you're doing you shouldn't be doing, it's what you're not doing that you should be doing that can be darkness. But today we can come to Jesus and have it all removed from his marvelous light. Would you stand with me? What we're going to sing, Brother Jonathan? Make room. Father, if there's something we need to do today, it's make more room for you. If we're going to have more of you, it's going to have to be less of us. John the Baptist said it that I need to deny myself so that I can allow him to have more. And Father God, today as we come, I pray for these people in here who's full of religion. Lord, if they die today, they don't know where they're going. They hope they know, but they don't know because they're in the dark. Lord, I thank you that when you come into our life and we have the light of life, we know where we're going. We're going where you are. And we're going to get there not because of us, but because of you. When we stand in your presence, it's not going to be, I did this and I did that and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. It's going to be, you did this for me, Jesus. You saved me. You showed me the light. You opened my eyes. You changed my heart. Father, there's someone right now who's battling the light, trying to stay in the dark. Lord, the darkest thing man ever devised is religion without you. And I pray today that you'll set the captive free, that the person under the sound of my voice is not hearing me, but he's hearing your spirit calling him home and he's telling you to come and accept Jesus. Sit on that front pew in faith and say, I'm coming to Christ. And Lord, for those of us who have allowed darkness in our life to the point we're confused, we don't even know where we're going, Lord, set us free today. 
Help us, Lord. Send the light. And help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If God spoke to you and he's called you, don't listen to the devil. Come to the light. He loves you.
saying you can't you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. Um, you know what I think my biggest fear is? Is that we can get so used to good Baptist religion, good fellowship with our brothers and sisters, and the things that we think make for good church. To be doing that and not even be in His presence and having true life changing relationship. I know it's happened to me, and I fear sometimes that we are no longer able to tell the difference. Because if you can just come to church and a good dose of what we can do for God is enough to make the week, you don't have that personal. I mean, desire to be in His presence. You know what the Word says? One day in His presence is better than a thousand without Him. But we leave saying church was good today and go the rest of the week and never, ever spend time with God. As much light is here, it's great, this is good. It's the good things of God. But if we can be that way all week, how great is our darkness? Because Jesus should be held up as that lampstand every day, every hour, every moment. He is the only one who can keep us from going astray. And it's dark out there, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but this world is darker than it's ever been in my lifetime, and the Bible says it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Our only hope is to stay in the light, amen. Because that darkness is after us. Don't let it get you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus has got his eye on us, amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today for the privilege to preach your word, for showing me darkness in my life. And even though I many times, Lord, allow myself to become comfortable in the dark, you keep showing me the light disturbing me bringing me back to focus on you so help us today Lord to truly commit to keeping our eyes upon you the author and finisher of our faith and lead us Lord according to your plan thank you Jesus that you are the light of the world and if we follow you we won't walk in darkness but have the light of life bless our offering now help us to be good stewards of it Help us to use it for your glory and your will. And Lord, not only individually, but as a church, show us the things that we need to see and protect us from the things that we don't see and help us to follow you as a congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.